This is CliffCentral.com. Okay, this is called The 80 Show. My name is Paolo, and I brought a friend along. Hi, I'm Dory. Uh, and I brought another friend. Where? No, no, Dory's my friend. Okay, listen, so what is The 80 Show about? It's an, Listen, it's not cryptic. It's about 80s. It's about 80s, about 80s yeah, yeah, music. It it's about 80s music. Cause and sometimes we talk about other stuff other than the music because the 80s was about so much more than music. It all kind of blended together with the movies and the fashion and the style and the hair. And I feel you couldn't have the music in isolation. Well, it's like any any uh, uh, era. You can't have the music in isolation. But you really can't, though, because, you know, you're right. It had the hair. It had the fashion. It had the lyrics. The lyrics were an important part. Yeah, the lyrics were a massive, massive, massive part of 80s music. And that's what we're going to look at today. So while you're, you're enjoying your Christmas lunch, okay. And switch off the Boney M. Uh, for now, for now. Boney uh, M is from the 80s, but that's not what we're about. I endorse Boney M. I do endorse a bit of Boney M listening. Okay, this is just other stuff. Yeah, okay, this is just other stuff. Okay, so what we're going to play today is a couple of songs, and it's about music that people could have been listening to. On Christmas Day in the 80s, okay, while they were wearing the crimpoline suits, while they were discussing who shot JR, okay, this is what they were listening to. These were the hits, the treffers. So we're like doing a little bit of a time travel thing. It's a little bit back to the future, except not back to the past. No, well, it's, it's back to the future too. Okay. So what's up, what's first up then? Okay, you know it. So we're talking about um, things people were listening to and, um, you know, 80s took its inspiration from uh, other eras, okay? And one of the greatest songwriters ever, uh, or part of the greatest songwriting team ever, was John Lennon, okay? So he managed to just squeak himself into the 80s, and this was his last big hit, um, just before his uh, dead body hit the pavement. Too soon, too soon. Our life together is so precious together. We have grown, we have grown, although our love is still special, let's take a chance and fly away. Is your Christmas lunch starting over? Did <laughs> did you have an uncle who said an inappropriate thing? We all got that uncle. Fun uncle comes, brings gifts for everybody, and then he says something. Or he makes a comment, or he grabs somebody something. And then there's the aunts who have too much makeup, and they come, come give me a kiss. Oh, they're looking like extras from Dynasty. And then you kiss them, and then you've got all their horrible makeup smeared all over your face. And the skunkers, the skunkers that wear so much perfume that they leave their perfume on you, the perfume's in the room, the perfume goes with them, doesn't go with them, stays around. <laughs> We're starting to sound very grinchy. I think we need to stop now. It, it is very to, grinchy. Let's get like into something a bit happier. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So listen, power couples of right. the 80s, right? So Whitney Houston. We've all heard of Whitney Houston. You have to know Whitney Houston, okay? So in the 80s, Whitney Houston, she was America's sweetheart. Yeah. And then she met a guy. She met a man. A bad boy. A bad boy. Bad boy Bobby Brown. Okay. Oh. So she was America's sweetheart. He was America's bad boy. Eventually, they did all of America's drugs together. But in between that, those two made hits. 
They did. And before, I mean, before that, he, he did make some really cool songs before he became known as Whitney Houston's, like, dodgy husband. Yeah. What's he doing now? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Let's not taint our memories with, with what he's doing now. Let, let's rather look at when he was cool and make cool, cool songs. Yeah. So if you're younger, you'll probably think this is a part of a Britney Spears song. Okay. But if you're from the eighties, you know, it's pure, pure, pure Bobby Brown. So, if I say the word leotard, what do you think of? Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, think back 80s leotard. Bruce Jenner. (laughs) Okay, uh, there was a a lady who was very famous in the 80s. She actually got famous before that, but like in the 80s, Olivia Newton-John had a big hit called Physical. Oh, uh, okay, I thought you were talking about her other two big hits called... Uh, Called okay. her boobs. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So, um, listen, Olivia Newton John, she was like the neutron bomb. She was the sex symbol of the day. She was on magazine covers. That was like the, the Instagram. That was like trending. If you're on a magazine cover in the 80s, it was like trending now, right? It was the equivalent, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, physical. Can I give you some factoids? Yeah, give me, you know what? That, listen, one thing we love more than 80s are facts. Both factual facts, unsubstantiated facts, okay, um, artifacts, but we do love a fact, and a fact about 80s music is, is one of my favorites. Okay, well, I'm going to hit you with some. Do it. This one's true. You, it might not sound true, but it's true. The song Physical was originally intended for Rod Stewart to sing. I can hear it. Could you? I, I can hear can it. Can you see him in a leotard? Mm, the I, white leotard? I can hear it. I, I can I can hear traces of Rod Stewart in. in the I mean, song. they both had the spiky blonde hair, but that was where the similarity really ended. No, but the, I can hear it. I can hear it. Next fact, more okay. factoids. So the the music video for Physical, if you haven't seen it, you've got to go and YouTube that stuff, man. It was so controversial at the time. It probably still is. Yeah. I'm going to read to you a description of the music video from Wikipedia, which did not exist in the 80s. There was no Google. There was no internet. There was no Wikipedia. But this is true. The video featured a lusty Olivia. Yo. The word lusty. Hey. Hey. How judgmental. Because how do they know? How do they know? She could have been sweaty. Everyone was sweaty in the 80s. She could have had asthma. That's why she was breathing so heavily. Very presumptuous. Dressed in a tight leotard. Well... Have you ever Everybody seen a, was wearing a leotard in the 80s. And, Come on. And our leotards are not exactly loose. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, otherwise, they're called pants. <laughs> As a gym teacher trying to make several overweight men healthy, mm-hmm. she repeatedly tries to make the men lose weight, but her plans fail and she leaves the room to take a shower. Yeah. There's that lusty bit coming back in. It is, hey? Because after, after lust, I need to shower. Suddenly, the men magically work out on their own, and they transform into muscular, attractive men. Yo, so how many of them were wearing world gym vests? Remember the world gym vests? Yeah. That were very stringy? More importantly, how many of them had the mullets and the sweatbands? Hey, all of them, I'm all. willing to say. I don't know if that's an exact mathematical calculation. All of them. Okay. 
It continues. Some of the scenes have sexual subtext, such as the as the shower scene, or when Olivia rubs herself on the men. Now, Dory, I mean, I don't want to be a prude, but is this appropriate conversation for Christmas lunch? This Christmas lunch. Hey, 80s music is appropriate any time, any day. Okay, so we're almost done, but there's there's a few more things you need to know. In one part, one muscular man glances at his overweight self. Olivia is shocked when she sees this and starts to flirt with them. At the end, two of the men secretly go out holding hands, implying they are gay. Oh, the horror. The horror of the 80s. And never mind that. Olivia is surprised to see this, and as two more of the men leave with their arms around each other, she discovers the last of the overweight men is straight, and they go off to play tennis together. Now, is tennis code for something, or do you think they were really playing tennis? Well, listen, I'd be more suspect if they went off to play volleyball, a la Top Gun. And if anyone called themselves Iceman or Goose, then I'd be like, well, okay. But they're just playing tennis. People play tennis all the time. Okay, well, let's have a listen to that song, just in case you don't know it. Okay. It's a goodie. It, it, it is a goodie. Not as saucy as the video. I don't know. I don't know. Make your mind up. I don't know. She pants a bit, eh? Mm-hmm. Eighties duos, eighties did duos, hey, like no decade did duos. Yeah, it was all about that uh, doubling up thing. Mm, it was. It was like my yin to your yang. So, what are some of your favorite eighties duos? Millie Vanilli, who may or may not have been the real singers. Unsubstantiated. Nothing's ever proven. And nothing was ever proven except the facts. <laughs> um, another duo I like was. Um, uh, Tears for Fears. They were cool. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a favorite duo, but I'm not going to mention them yet because they're like coming up later in the show for something special. I like Duran Duran. Not a duo. They, they were two guys, Duran, Roger Duran, and Peter Duran. Oh, that's one of those factoids of yours. <laughs> I do love a fact, but okay, let's, a real duo. Okay. Ashford and Simpson. Yeah. Um, but was the moustaches as impressive as Hall and & Oates? And the mullet. Mullet, you know, they should have been called mullet and moustache. That should have been their real name. No, they were good. They were hit makers. They sort of looked like Starsky and Hatch in a way. Yeah. Yeah. They had the style. They did. Well, have, one had style. The other one, not ha- so sure. Had the moustache. <laughs> Can you really have been in the 80s without a moustache? So now, considering that they were a duo, Hall & Oates, who we do love. I think we should play a double play. We should have a double play. And, you know, just keeping with the theme of Olivia Newton-John and her tennis-playing cohorts, um, let's just kick it off with a song called Maneater. Some of that saxophone you were talking about hey, earlier. Hey, what did I tell you? Sax appeal. Sax appeal. Where are where are saxophonists today? Where are they? Well, you know, the, whenever you say that, all I can see is Kenny G, which is. You uh, think he ruined yeah, it? You think he broke I think it? He, I think yeah, yeah, he ruined it for everyone. Because Bill Clinton. So so obviously, eighty saxophonist cool because 
pretty much every song had them. Then Bill Clinton, he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you think Kenny G killed it? Yeah. He made saxophone uncool. We need a saxophone. I can't. He made saxophone uncool. <laughs> what a random <laughs> statement. I'm putting it out there. The statement in itself. I, I, listen, I mean, in the right context, I take a saxophone. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like, I mean, are you really going to turn a kid off like a kid wants to play a drum, drums or bass guitar or, you know, and then all of a sudden you say, no, yeah, son, I bought you a saxophone. Like, you know, yeah, you're not going to turn, but them. it's Kenny G's fault. So you still, you standing by it. I'm you, sticking you with it. Blame yeah. Kenny G. No amount of Hall and Oates, no amount of Wham, no amount of promiscuous saxophone usage in the eighties is going to make you think there could be a revival. You know, one can dream. One can dream. Okay, but moving on, there was a really cool all girls band in the eighties called the Bangles. <laughs> So much hairspray. So much. So much. So much. Hazardous. Hazardous amounts of hairspray. Okay, so apart from polluting the whole planet. Hazardous. They there made, was no hole in the ozone layer. They, they were caused Until they it. started, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Them and, and Bananarama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, poison. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> the Bengals. Yeah. So, they had a, a song called Walk Like an Egyptian. What do you think that song was about? Okay, well, so this is, it's quite simple, actually. Mm-hmm. So, um, on a trip to Egypt, it was a class trip, um, a guy called Peter, um, Benfeller, um, he noticed, um, no, I'm not going anywhere with this. Tell me the story. <laughs> oh, damn. I was really getting excited about your factoid the there. P- Peter Benfeller. <laughs> the real story. And I, I wish it was as exciting as yours was potentially going to be. It's actually not even that interesting, but at the same time, like random enough to be interesting. How many, I mean, how many, so what's interesting though is how many nations have had a song about the way they walk? You know, I don't you walk like a Libyan or walk like a Brazilian. You can walk like you've had a Brazilian. <laughs> hey? No, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Off peak. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Again, not for kids. Okay. Sorry. Just no. Okay. A dude named Liam Sternberg. Hey? Like, how's that for a random name? And people thought Peter Benfellow was a made-up name. <laughs> Liam Sternberg was the, was the person who wrote the song, Walk Like an Egyptian, for the Bangles. He wrote it after seeing people on a ferry walking awkwardly to keep their balance, which reminded him of figures in ancient Egypt. So, kiddies, if uh, that dodgy uncle that you invited to Christmas lunch, if he's walking awkwardly, it's not because of the 15 Jack Daniels. He's just walking like an Egyptian. You know, it's odder than walking like an Egyptian. What Dory was doing right now, dancing like an Egyptian. I'm so ashamed. Just sit down, Dory. Just sit down. You have not had enough Jack Daniels with your dodgy uncle. Perhaps too much. Perhaps too many. I have not had enough to have seen you dancing like an Egyptian. Where's the eggnog? What is an eggnog? Uh, I don't know. Hey? What is Have you ever had eggnog? I actually have. What's it's not the, bad. What's the vibe? What's it all about? It's like drunken egg. I don't know. It's like liqueur and creamy things and... Mm. It's actually quite yummy. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I think you should try it. I'm going to take your word for it. So listen, um, you know, we, we like, we like 
um, recurring theme. So we're talking about duos, and, and we did mention. You said it's a duo you won't mention until later, and I feel it is later. So I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder, and we're gonna bring up Wham for the first time. Have you heard of Wham? I might have heard of. You them. have heard of Wham. You're not their biggest fan, and like run the South African Wham blog. No, that's not me. Called called George George Michael's white vest. That's not you, right? <laughs> okay. You, I, I am a fan. Though. You don't run I'm the a blog. Fan. You don't run the blog called uh, Club Tropicana Reservations. You, you don't. You don't run that blog. That's not me. No, no. You, you don't run the blog um, called Wake Me Up Before You're Gone Gone. Reminiscing about Wham songs. Okay, I'm you, sure you, 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 got, you got one more. You don't more? run that blog. You don't run the blog um, called um, Wham Rap, where it's about not R A P W R A P. So ways of wrapping your gifts. Okay. In a wham manner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how about the blog Young Gun Ownership? Hey, Dory, Jesus trumped me on that one. Hey, well done. So you talk about duos, and so wham was very interesting because obviously everyone always remembers George Michael. Um, Andrew Ridgely was no a lesser part of wham, not at all. I mean, he, he was important. He just wasn't. He was Michael. He was. He wasn't the showman, and you got to accept that. You know, so you like you think of a lot of bands like Van Halen. And Bon Jovi, everyone remembers the front man, which is cool when there's like three or four other guys. When it's a duo, it sort of sucks to, to not be the, the, the main guy. But he, he got his own back. He Do you did. know how he got his own no, back? No, it's Dory. Share with me how he got his own back. He got his own back by marrying a banana rama. Hey? Yeah. He, he did, hey? Yeah. He did. And then they went to go off live in some weird British isle. Ah, somewhere in the Something ocean. Like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think do you think George Michael cared that he married a banana rama? Ah, he was kind mm-hmm. of careless. Careless, hey, careless yeah. in, in all his ways. Mm-hmm. In all his ways. So this is a dodgy song because it's a bit of a, a naughty by George Michael because careless whisper always comes out as like George Michael's song, but it was on a Wham album. But like, I don't think Andrew Andrew was angry with him about it. It did make them pretty famous. So I think he, there must be forgiveness by now. There should be forgiveness. You know, I'm going to play you the song. I'm going to play you the song. Once again, saxophone. As soon as the saxophone hits, listen, I, I defy you to not fall pregnant. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is an egg dropping, uh, uh, little, um, little hook there. But, um, you know, over Christmas holidays, we go watch a lot of movies. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I just got to like say to people, you know, we spend a lot of money on snacks when you go to movies, a lot of money on popcorn, a lot of money on, on drinks and a lot of money on chocolates. Okay. So when you open the pack in the dark at like 25 rand a pack, don't be careless with your whispers. Okay, so that's the last time I leave you alone in the studio while that song is playing. I have nothing to hide. And I didn't, well, I, I mean, listen, I did, I did hide, I did hide some stuff when you came back in, but I would suggest you not leaving me alone. Well, you know, sometimes nature calls. Sometimes nature calls and then, you know, so Dory walked back in and incense was burning and, um, I was uh, rolling on a uh, shag carpet. There was a disco ball. Where did that come from? Dory, I keep things in my bag. Glorious bag things. of tricks. A bag of tricks. Bag of eighties tricks. A bag of eighty tricks. Where malicious junk. Hey, saxophone again. Little whispers, careless whispers. 
Hey, good song. Good song. Good song. So um, no one can argue with that. Muzzle tough to your babies that are going to be born in September, <laughs> because that is a baby making song. And Christmas lunch, people just walked away, just you know, did what Santa intended, because um, that's what that song's all about. It is indeed. Yeah. So uh, look, you know, the the elephant in the room is how have we gone this long without playing a song by the Queen of the eighties, and and. Anyone who sniggers and says, oh, but you just did. It's called George Michael. <laughs> i got two fingers for you. Okay? No, we're talking Madonna. Now, when this song came out, I don't think anybody could foresee what her career was going to turn out to be. She was a bit of a Miley Cyrus. And never mind that. Like It was all like, what, what is this song about? What is this? She seems like this innocent girl. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, that turned out not to be the case. Yeah, you know, I like to remember Madonna more like this. Because this is the problem is like, you know, these like these, these artists that span generations, you sort of like a, like I saw Madonna the other day. I went, is that, is that Madonna? Is that, is that Madonna or just a Madonna impersonator? Because it's like, it's not what Madonna should be as pure Madonna. You know what I mean? Yeah. We remember her with those um, crucifix earrings and the lots of beads and the hmm. ponytail up on the head and the lots of makeup hmm. like, and, like this. Yeah. Really? And making hit songs, hit music about virginal things. So we've made it through. We've made, we've made it through, it through the, the wilderness. <laughs> oh no! That wasn't so, planned. So obvious that and so bad. Planned. That was shocking. Oh, shocking. No, that was okay. We, can we do that over? No, let's not do it. It's oh. just you know, it's some things happen at Christmas lunch that just cannot be taken away and cannot be undone. They're there forever. Um, Unlike virginity. Woo! Big call. Big call <laughs> by Dory over there. So a song like this isn't the next song I'm going to play. It's not just. My favorite Christmas song. It's probably my favorite song. That's a that's a big call. My favorite song ever. This one. that is, that is big because hmm? it's very hard to pick a favorite song when you when you get older. Yeah, I know because you've heard a lot. But listen, I think there's like a a, a, a high watermark is that you get to a point you go, Ugh, I don't like any of this stuff. So it becomes easy. Yeah, you do that. You do that. Grumpy voice. Oh, I don't. What do we, I don't do any look, of this stuff. look for me. This is for me the only Christmas song that ever counts. Ever. Yeah. So this song, right? I mean, it's a pretty big, pretty big Christmas song. When it was released, it was like, I mean, obviously, I mean, in the UK, they, they, they pay a lot of attention to Christmas number one. So if you're Christmas number one, that's like you're written into the record books. Okay. So this song was, uh, due to be Christmas number one. It was released very strategically in November. They said, there's no way that the song will not be Christmas number one. Everyone was punting it. Ugh. And then famine happened. Yeah. Damn. Damn it, you know. So Africa got in the way. Uh, Africa got in the way, and um, Bob Geldof roped in Bono and a couple of other '80s artists, and they made this '80s supergroup, and they they released um, um, a song for for Band Aid, um, a charity song. They recorded like a couple of days before Christmas, and it shot to number one. And yeah, it was fine. Well, it's politically incorrect, but nobody saw that at the time. Hugely politically incorrect. Um, but what it did. The incorrectness is it knocked this next song out from being number one. And you know that that right has never been wronged because this is the biggest selling song, the biggest selling single to never be number one at Christmas. 
It's a travesty. Hey, it's never been number one ever, the song. And you know that for the past five or six years, the song has still charted, despite it being like 30 years old, over 30, almost 30 years old. Well, I think it's a good note to end the show on. I think this has been in, um, intellectual, educational. Mm-hmm. I hope you've learned something. I hope so. I know I've learned something. I've learned something about muscular men in music videos. Oh, I thought you could talk about muscular men in the studio. I've learned that you shouldn't leave me alone when Careless Whisper's playing. Hmm. Well, you know, there's a lesson. That, that is a lesson. And I've learned that, you know, puns are fun. They are, they are fun. So thank you for listening. I hope you've, you've enjoyed listening back to the songs that people were probably listening to in the 80s, unsubstantiated. And um, remember, it's never the last Christmas. Ever. This is cliffcentral.com.